Um, a lot of my childhood favorite Christmas things are very wrapped up in that imagery that you were talking about earlier of the New England Christmas from that same kind of time period, right? When people went out on ice skates on frozen rivers. And like, I think of it in terms of the setting for Little Women or Little House on the Prairie. Okay. <laughs> Which are probably two very different time periods, actually, now that I think about it. But um, it's part of, I think, my imagined nostalgia. I don't know. I just I, When I was going through these, I was like realizing that there was a lot of imagery of winter in New England before the advent of the automobile. Right. A different, quieter time, maybe. Strings of lights above the bay Curtains drawn in a glass of red All I ever get for Christmas is blue Saxophone on the radio Recorded 40 years ago All I ever get for Christmas is blue What up, y'all, and welcome to Cloud Kaleidoscope, episode 15, quote unquote sacred. My name is Wilton Zachary Cloud. I'm your host, and it's a holiday special, holiday special episode of Cloud Kaleidoscope. So I'm pretty fascinated, I guess is the word, with Christmas music and holiday music in general, and uh, for reasons that I'll talk about a little bit in the episode. But, um, and so I thought it would be fun to kind of get deep on it with Gina and have her come loaded with favorite holiday music uh, selections. And we could compare, contrast, and court conflict with them as a little change of pace. So that's what we've got for you today. And I will not hold you back from it very long. Um, I will catch back up with you guys again at the end. But the snow is so beautiful. All I ever get for Christmas is blue. It would take a miracle to get me out to a shopping mall. there it's gonna tip over no i think we're good <laughs> okay we're good to go yeah uh what up g hey zach <laughs> happy last tuesday before christmas 
oddly specific. You're trying to put pressure on me to hurry up and edit this motherfucker and put it out. <laughs> I, I'm anxious for a new edition of the Cloud Kaleidoscope. All yeah. right. Well, uh, I thought I would do something a little bit different this time. Oh, yeah? What's that? Um, <laughs> uh, you're playing awfully coy considering I already asked you to prepare something. I got a list. Yes, you have a list. I have a list. I got to say, I had so much fun putting together this list. Zach asked me about a week ago to put together a list of my favorite Christmas carols, Christmas songs. Technically, I said holiday music. Technically. Well, this is an interesting commentary on my filter system. (laughs) Because my list contains Christmas songs. Oh, so does mine. But, uh, you know, I didn't want to limit you. And besides, you know, as any good liberal, I am fully engaged in the war on Christmas. Nah. (laughs) I love Christmas. So I, w- I mean, I I don't I love what I call Christmas, which is like the holiday solstice season, in which there are lots of lights and presents, and Santa Clauses and Frosty. I, I celebrate Santa Claus. Hey man, I'm a sucker for lights. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, absolutamente. I especially love like institutional uh, lighting displays, like if when municipalities put up lights. You know? Oh, like well, so what I've seen. I haven't been by the courthouses or anything, but they've got really nice snowflakes hanging from the trees downtown Portland. Right on. It's like this winter wonderlandy kind of effect. They've got the twinkly lights in the trees and then these big giant snowflakes that hang down out of the trees. It's pretty cool. Uh, they weren't bargaining on uh, snow trauma. Right. No, yes. Triggered. No. <laughs> Um, I mean, they've been up since before the snowpocalypse 2016, but... (laughs) No, the only thing wrong with the snow days was that the silly schools didn't figure out that they needed to let people go home early. Most everybody else did. My office closed it, like, the day before. (laughs) But that's Portland for (laughs) you. So you were talking about municipal government lighting displays? Yeah, like when the city puts up lights or whatever. Um, I think that's pretty rad. It's a, it's a rare example of something where everyone just kind of agrees and um, accepts that the city puts up a display that's basically just for whimsy. You know what I mean? It's uh, It's not for any real reason. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, some arts walk or anything else where you could make a, a different argument for for its effect on the economy or something like that it's it's mostly just spending money just because it's cool (laughs) well you know i i think well you know well you know (laughs) so i i have this conundrum in my house every year where i get the i make the conscious decision i'm gonna spend extra money this time of year on electricity because i'm gonna have christmas lights up at my house (laughs) because i like christmas lights it's not that much. I think there's a public service in lighting the streets in the middle of winter when it's dark <laughs> and everybody's bummed and we have less daylight hours. So we need something bright and cheery to keep us afloat for the next couple of weeks <laughs> until the days start getting longer again. You know what else today is? What is it? Solstice. Right on. Sometime like early tomorrow morning. But tonight's the night before solstice. So what is that? Like that midwinter's night? Midwinter's eve? Solstice eve. Solstice eve. 
Sure, man. I'm into it. I I like. Uh, I mean, it's the dead of winter, don't you agree? We ne- you just said we need lights, lights. I think that's a very valid public purpose for government to take on. <laughs> I uh, I don't want you throwing me in this boat. <laughs> this is. Uh, I uh, I'm in favor of lights displays year round, and I don't understand why they ever get fucking taken down. Just maintain them. They are rad. So just leave them up. Nah. You want the the time to get used to them not being there so they're more special again? No, you don't appreciate what you have all year round. It's part of what makes it special at the holidays that it's not something we get to enjoy the rest of the year. We get flowers in the spring and sunshine in the winter and or in the summer. We get sunshine in the summer and pretty, you know, multicolored leaves falling off the trees in the fall. Aside from snow, what does winter got? Ice? Um, probably the best wardrobe. Cozy sweaters are good. <laughs> Scarves are wonderful. Fingerless gloves are my new favorite thing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a real degenerate attire right there for you. What? <laughs> Fingerless gloves? Dude, no, I got these fancy ones that my sister got me. They got like ruffles on them. They're like hand-sewn felt. They're beautiful. I love them. They're not hobo gloves. Rude. Filter much. <laughs> What? You just assumed when I say fingerless gloves that I mean some kind of <laughs> degenerate. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'm saying that they automatically are no matter how many fancy ruffles they have. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe calling them wrist and hand warmers rather than gloves <laughs> might be a resolution of your conundrum. <laughs> But I fail to see how the word degenerate describes fingerless gloves. Fair. Withdrawn. (laughs) Objection withdrawn, Your Honor. Carry on. (laughs) Counsel, you may continue your questioning of the witness. All right. So I really enjoy just the phenomenon of Christmas music in general. You know, there's like this really weird thing that has like, you know, it's the story of Christmas music or holiday music in general is kind of woven into the story of like the commercial music business, you know, over the greater part of the last century. And, uh, you know, it has like, so as a result, you kind of have like all these sort of like traditional sort of like pre-recorded music standbys or whatever like that. But there's this whole like subgenre of music that gets added to like a ridiculous amount every single fucking year. <laughs> That's true. Like you've got this basic canon and everybody has to do that. Well, not everybody, but a huge chunk of people producing music presently will do their Christmas retakes, their spin on their cover of their or version of, and then they come up with their own originals right. um, to add some flavor to the mix. Right. So, yeah, you're right. There's, like, this big surge of new music every year at Christmas. Right. Well, but then it's all music that goes away 10 months out of the year. Right. And, like, (laughs) in fact, many people, I would dare say most, would aggressively cause you and, like, force you to turn it off. Oh, you're right. That's Christmas music. We don't listen to Christmas music in May. (laughs) We definitely don't listen to it in August. (laughs) So, yeah, I find that whole phenomenon really fascinating. Like, um, there's really no other example of it. Well, it's a seasonal festival. Right, but there are seasonal festivals all around the fucking calendar. So, 
<laughs> we tend to light off fireworks at most of them. <laughs> Used to be that fireworks were just a 4th of July thing. Now we do fireworks at New Year's and Thanksgiving. And <laughs> there were people throwing fireworks at Halloween. Maybe there's just a bunch of people who really like fireworks in my neighborhood. <laughs> I think you might have just found the crux of this situation. All right. All right. <laughs> Again, I think it's like part of what the beauty of Christmas is, is that it's just this little sliver of time in the middle of the calendar. And it's kind of, quote unquote, sacred that it doesn't get redone over the course of the rest of the year. That's part of what gives it its primacy on the calendar, I think, too. Nobody competes with Christmas. Um, Halloween competes with Christmas. It is the second most um, profitable holiday for American retailers. I could not tell you by what order of magnitude Christmas wins by, but I am <laughs> sure it is quite a lot. I was going to say. <laughs> okay, so there's always a number two. <laughs> yeah, like but saying... like, Halloween has been like gaining significantly over the last like 10 sure. to 20 years like you know halloween used to be yeah you buy maybe you buy your candy and you buy um a cheap ass costume for your kid that's like a garbage bag with a picture of the person that they want to be <laughs> on the chest <laughs> i think one year in school we had to like make those like paper bag costumes as an art project so dumb it's like, I want to be Superman, but the costume is a picture of, like, Superman on the chest of the right. costume. It's like, okay. <laughs> I'm wearing a Superman t-shirt made right. out of Ex paper bag. Exactly. So, yeah, so I find the whole phenomenon of Christmas music and holiday music in general very um, intriguing. And uh, always happy to delve into it when the time comes. I especially like modern Christmas songs, holiday songs that kind of challenge the the nostalgic sort of like uh soft filtered aspect of the whole christmas music holiday music canon as i was going through doing the research for this piece um i found myself really embracing songs that made me want to dance and mm. realizing that lots of the modern ones do that more so than the old traditional songs or carols um well a lot of that shit was choir music right you sit down the and traditional you stuff yeah <laughs> You know, Jingle Bells is a little bit jumpy. You can get excited, but then it's got a slow part too. But the more modern stuff is much more danceable and fun, or it can be. Um, so what's on your list? Um, all right, so I think we should just go through it. See, I don't particularly care for any of the songs that are overtly about the nativity. Mm. So the first category in the traditional section which i kind of broadly defined as like before recorded music um i'm not a big fan of a very much in this category even though some of it i can see as being like silent night is a very good song i was just gonna say but come on silent night is just like just kind of like analyzing of music, it objectively it's beautiful right but it doesn't make my list um, <laughs> largely for that reason uh so yeah, I'll guess I'll start it off, but I, I really, I told you one to three from every category, and I I got maybe two from this one. Yep. <laughs> um, so my first pick is uh, Here We Go a Wassailing, oh. which is a great song about uh, beggars going door to door and guilting people into giving them booze from their punch bowls. <laughs> 
That is definitely one read of that song. No, that is exactly <laughs> what that song is about. <laughs> I think the images that I have more frequently seen are of just a group of carolers going around. See, I'm down with and that, that too. And there was a tradition in but there's a, like, Wales or wherever it comes from. There's a seedier sort of like underbelly to the song. Like, And I, I looked it up at the, on the internet the other night. It's... Uh, it, it's got lyric in there directly about, you know, yeah, we're the beggars on the street that you see every day. But uh, come on, let's have some of that goddamn punch. <laughs> this is Christmas. Let's, we have more right to what you have today than we did yesterday. Not right, but we can more easily guilt you into it. You got the punch right there. Right. <laughs> it is the season of giving. <laughs> it's the holiday season. I've been doing that too lately. I've just been breaking out into random songs. Like, All right, that should make this fun. I know, right? <laughs> Here we go, a wassailing. Is it wassailing or a wassailing? Wassailing. Wassailing, yeah. I remember I have a memory of this song as a kid reading it for the first time and not knowing how that was pronounced and being completely confused when everybody else said a different word than what I said. <laughs> it's like a school choir thing. Anyway, I'm totally with you on bunk on traditional songs. I do love singing Silent Night to the kids. It's a beautiful song. It's a soothing song. I often just hum it instead of dealing with the words. But here's the other thing about Christmas. Like, if you just take it as stories, I love the Christmas story. It's the story of a homeless family having a baby and a bunch of animals coming to cuddle with it. I mean... <laughs> Dude, if I was homeless and pregnant, I'd want a barn full of animals to keep me warm. Well, and there's a dude pooping around the corner. <laughs> yeah, well, that happens in real life. You know about too. that? No way. I think not exactly the sure that this is how you pronounce it, but it's like the Caganiere. It's a Catalonian tradition. Uh, when they make their manger scenes, they have a little guy who's crouching. There's a little pile of poo that goes along with the scene. And uh, he has, uh, (laughs) he's usually placed kind of back around the corner, you know, and so he he wants to make sure that he stays out of the way of such a momentous occasion. But dude, you gotta go, you gotta go. Even Joseph and Mary uh, had to relieve themselves. He's there to remind us (laughs) that, uh, you know, things happen in opportune times. (laughs) When you gotta go, you gotta go. I'm serious. This is like a real thing. This is a real thing. I believe it. And I think that's awesome. And why don't our manger scenes have this? uh, There should. And there's probably, no matter where you live, there's probably not too far away from you a, like a 99 cent store that caters to a Hispanic population where you can find Cogginiere figurines for your manger scenes. Um, Dude, I'm so doing this. Fairly common. I'm so doing this. (laughs) <laughs> that's so excellent uh so anyway so yeah true i mean it's and that's part of the story right these are real people and this is could be i mean there's families out there on the street and you know oh no man that birth. story is whack well the idea that he's like divinely conceived and touched by god i don't is... even want to talk about any of that shit Magic i want to talk about Hula. joseph okay what do we want to talk about joseph do you know the fucking story of joseph associated with the fucking birth of christ (laughs) that he was cuckolded by a deity and took his wife on the road to pay taxes or something all right so i don't really i'm a terrible terrible catholic i don't know anything about the the bible stories all right so and there's a couple of different stories 
like that appear in different portions of the Bible, I believe, that are kind of like merged into one sort of larger story, and they don't disagree very much, but there's a couple points. Um, but it goes mostly like this. Joseph and Mary are arranged to get married. They have not yet gotten married when she fucking disappears. Nobody knows where she is, right? Now, the story of what Mary does during this time period after she has her moment when she, the crisis conceived and she goes off to visit some other like holy sainted person, this woman who helps women uh, conceive when they've when they've had difficulty doing so, and she stays with her for a couple months. But as far as Joseph knows, she just fucking disappears. Two some odd months, right? Comes back obviously pregnant. Now, Joseph knows he ain't fucked her. And Mary knows Joseph knows that he ain't fucked her. And by the Jewish law of the time period, he could go down to the fucking elders and have this whole marriage agreement thrown the fuck out, right? But he doesn't. Takes her back into his home. And he comes to terms with the idea that she's pregnant. Then, sometime later, not right away, no, no, sometime later, she comes up with this, not comes up with, she hits him with the story. This is what really happened. God knocked me up. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> now put yourself in fucking Joseph's place here. Like, he's like, uh, uh, all right, God knocked you up. Fine. Whatever. I think it would take a normal human being more than just a couple days to come around to that acceptance. Nah, he's he's not cool with it. And here's one of the places where they the stories diverge, where like one of the versions of the story has. I'm pretty sure this is right. Like I'm mostly just doing this in my memory, but God like appears to him in a vision at some point and confirms her story. But in one version, it doesn't. Mm. He doesn't right, and so. Here's this dude. He's still just carrying on with this. He's got this this woman with this, you know, baby that he knows is not his. They're married now, right? And he's just fucking soldiering on with this fucking situation that he's been handed. And in the story where the vision from God doesn't happen there, it happens on the road to Bethlehem. So she is about to give birth. And this motherfucker still has not gotten any fucking satisfactory answer about what the fuck happened. Eight and a half some odd goddamn months, his life's been turned upside down. <laughs> With no explanation. Well, she <laughs> no, gave him an explanation. It would just, he just needs something other than her word. I mean, come on. Like, at some point, the story gets large enough where you need a little bit more. <laughs> So, you know, maybe that speaks to that he was a very good man, that he had all kinds of reason to doubt and suspicions, I'm sure. I mean, here we are psychoanalyzing this fictional person. Who Let's do that. Years ago. And uh, I mean, but wouldn't you, if you were a nice guy, be like, well, I still am responsible for this woman and I kind of like her. So I'll take care of her. She doesn't have anybody else. Um, Is that the requirement I mean, of being a nice guy? Can you? Can you opt not to do that and still be nice? Or is any nice guy going to do that? That's a bigger question than what I'm talking about. I'm <laughs> That's... <saying> because he <laughs> is a nice guy. <laughs> or maybe he just is a nice guy and feels this way. Why do we have to presume that his ego is burst by being cuckolded? Well, I don't even necessarily think it has to do with that. It's just like she just disappears with no fucking word for months on end and then rolls back up pregnant and says, hey, like... 
you know, let's get back, get back to this marriage shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure that's me, dude. I'm not sure <laughs> I would do that. I'd be like, oh, let's slow roll this a little bit and see what's up. <laughs> Maybe she was really hot. That's possible. Uh, so what's one of your s- traditional choices? <laughs> Okay, so in the traditional category, I love Carol of the Bells. I don't know any of the words. I can't sing it, but I love the music, and I love the very fast cadence of the lyrics. Um, And I wish someday that I will sit down and learn it, but I love listening to it. (laughs) Yeah, that's an odd one because, like, yeah, it's really the words just kind of go by so fast and it's in such a weird register that it doesn't really kind of connect really. Um, it always hits my brain as a, a song and an instrumental and a music. And it's almost like the words are part of the music. The words are the music. The words are lyric. I mean, they are very, the words are lyrics. <laughs> right. But I understand the words are the instruments like the, yes. the like the, the vocals are very percussive. Right. And so, yeah, I get it. Like the, the lyric is supposed to be like a bell, right? Like I get, I see what they did there. It's not- right, <laughs> and it's beautiful, and yeah. and it just it tickles me every time I hear it. No, I get it, and uh, you know, good choice. I think that uh, I think that's a good one. It's one of the ones that like it definitely slipped under my radar. I didn't uh, consider that one for this category, but it's uh, it's actually pretty decent. It's uh, just about as good as you're gonna get in this category. Yeah. <laughs> right like so the only thing that comes close is my number two pick which is 12 days of christmas just for pure classicalness oh yeah and uh this one is garbage <laughs> as a song yeah. as a story yeah. <laughs> it's keep going um, <laughs> as a musical no. composition as yeah. a repetitive piece of yeah. but it's so much fun to sing <laughs> Uh, I've tested this one in the field and I can assert to you that that is false. Oh. <laughs> I love singing 12 Days of Christmas. I don't, again, I forget often the lyrics. And the repetitiveness gets, but that's part of the fun of it, right? It's like no. the little kid. <laughs> oh, Zach. <laughs> have you no spirit of Christmas? Oh, I do. I have plenty. I just ain't got zero time for that fucking song <laughs> and one of my kids really loves it so of course i have to have a constant relationship with it throughout the like the latter part of my life but god damn it that song sucks <laughs> <laughs> well maybe you would have liked the version that we had as children see i'm not uh, i'm not really big on novelty songs at all in yeah? the first place songs that are just too jokey and like you know, I don't know, pleased with themselves or mm. like sort of like, I don't know. It's You don't go for the parody. No, that's so hokey. I just really can't get into it. See, I love the parody. I love the humor. You may as well name it so people know. Oh, so yeah. So when I was a kid, we had this wonderful picture book that was called A Wart Snake and a Fig Tree. And it's an alternative version of The 12 Days of Christmas. You sing it to the same tune, um, but... You have things like nine nights galloping, five useless things, two bags of soot, and a wart snake, and a fig tree. And it's just wonderful. And the illustrations are beautiful. And 
It's called The Wart Snake in a Fig Tree by George Mendoza. And the version we had was illustrated by Etienne Delize. Anyway, I'll give them to Zach. He'll put them in the comments. <laughs> I, I highly recommend this book. If you can get it, I think it's probably out of print, but it's a wonderful piece of art because the art is just amazing and it's creative and it's different. And I learned that song before I learned the real 12 Days of Christmas. <laughs> so there was like that period in Gina's childhood where when people would sing 12 Days of Christmas at Christmas parties, she would sing Wart Snake in a Fig Tree instead because those were the lyrics she knew. Well, I applaud the effort to subvert the maudlin sort of like nostalgic sort of impulses of uh, Christmas music. Hell yeah. Uh, Let's be jolly. It still does not justify reusing that tune at all. (laughs) You are doing it so much credit to call it a tune. I know, right? What if, it, camp songs, there's a name for it. Like, a, it's not a chorus. It's There's some name for a repetitive cumulative, like 99 bottles of beer. Right. And the ants go marching in. That was the one we always... Makes sense. Got caught up. Should be a name for that. There is a name for it. <laughs> I have to ask the Google. Yeah. So, I really only have one other pick for this category, and it's uh, more of an honorable mention, but... And hey, it's a fucking... Bible story, you know, religious song, but it's not about the nativity. It's a good King Wenceslas. Um, it just has a good sort of like galloping sort of gait to, uh, to the way that it's composed. And, uh, it's not one that's commonly, I mean, it didn't, it never hit the top of our playlist. Right. It's a, in fact, I don't even think I can pull it out of my brain right now. Good King Wenceslas looked down on the feast of Stephen. When the grass lay on the ground. Yes, very lightweight or lighthearted. But it has like a real energy, you know what I mean? And it's not sort of like, it's not a hymn. Right. You know what I mean? It's a Bible story song, but it's not a hymn. Right. And I think, you know, that's a distinction I think I saw in Wikipedia is between what gets labeled as a Christmas carol right. versus a Christmas song. Right. And their listing of Christmas carols were primarily hymnal right. pieces. Uh, which makes sense. There's a lot of religious roots to the reason for the season. You're not going to be able to get away from it. No, nah, no, nah, it's cool. I well, no, you it. can. You can purely celebrate Frosty the Snowman. This is my last and final entry in the traditional column. False. It's not. This is oh. your first selection in the classic column. Oh, is is there a difference? <coughs> oh, I don't know. Was Frosty the Snowman invented after um, recording recorded music? I have no idea what the etymology yeah, it of first Frosty appeared is. on the John, Gene Autry uh, radio show. Really? Yeah. So it's not really a tradition. <gasps> there it was is a time before in Frosty. A, in a way, yeah. It's a. I would call it classic, right? In the same way that like. Cars Rudolph. that cars that are old but aren't antiques are okay. called classics, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so frosty because frosty is a classic, and top hats are cool and magic <laughs> more than anything else about the Christmas season. The story of Frosty the Snowman inspired the child in me to believe in magic, and I've always deeply regretted every snowman that didn't come to life. <laughs> See, I grew up in Florida, man. That's like... <laughs> oh, dude, so snowmans were totally foreign to you, huh? I mean, no, because so much of culture sort of like 
emanated from New York during mid-century. So, so much of our literary history, our everything that this whole tradition set is based around is comes frank straight from the northeast right and it's all that it's all the sledding and the slaying and yeah all that shit let it snow let it snow let it snow yeah and lightly dust the ground before melting immediately (laughs) (laughs) on the rare event that it actually did snow did you guys get snow in florida ever yeah a couple times but i mean whatever it's just enough to make it white for a minute not enough to make a respectable snowball with. What was your first experience with real snow? Um, I don't know. Like, it might be Whistler. Like, I don't know if you get to count anything that happens here. Oh, <laughs> uh, some years. I remember the year I got Emma, we had like a foot and a half of snow because I took her up to see Steve in his old place up in North Portland. And Emma and his dog ran through the snow, and the snow was almost taller than his little puggle dog i um no it snowed the winter of 97 when i first moved up here and we got you know snowed in a good two or three days um like often happens mm-hmm. you know once every three years or so in portland um yeah so i mean got maybe that one you know like it's not the same as real snow though nah in a place that has snow all the time and knows how to deal with it. I mean, we couldn't drive and right. the city was shut down and stuff. But Like this last time. Just right. Ice, gridlock. Right. And then desertion. <laughs> right. Abandonment. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Fox, See, and I know, grew up fr- in a place frosty, that was whatever. snow all the time. So, snow deeply embeds my choices for the classic category. Um. Yeah. I'm a... Uh, I mean, this is where it actually starts to get fun, right? <laughs> Um, the, uh, you know, once you get into like the jazz era, I could, I could just fill out three choices just from that. And I basically did, but, um, for my, like, you know, like I said, I really prefer holiday music that kind of takes the piss, so to speak, you know what I mean? And sort of like undercuts the more obnoxiously nostalgic elements of it. But, um... For one pick that actually does sort of take that straight on and does it better than every other song, so much so that it is called The Christmas Song. Um, And of course, as sung by Nat King Cole exclusively. No one else should do it. Um, (laughs) I'm sure that hasn't stopped Henry. No, no, not at all. But uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. That's right. I always just call that chestnuts. And yeah, then somebody told do, me once, it's no, called it's called the Christmas song. The Christmas song. And I'm like, why does that one get to be the song? And uh, they look at me like, why not? <laughs> because it's clearly and obviously the best. <laughs> it um apparently is like the number one Christmas song that in terms of like royalties that are paid out to a songwriting um oh yeah uh copyright um you know so obviously right it's, because it's, it's not in competition against deck the halls or whatever like that but it's of songs that have a songwriter who are in the who are registered and get paid based on the pl- number of plays it is the uh, number it has one won the commercial charts king of the hill award right um so yeah and uh it's just the best it fucking it hits all the sentimental traditional you know, and like, 
it's funny you mentioned the Wikipedia article because I saw that too, and I thought that the uh, did this really interesting thing where it broke down like what type of holiday song it was, like whether it was religious or seasonal, like Winter Wonderland or something like that. Um, and then the uh, one of the categories was traditions. You know what I mean? There were like a hefty amount of the Christmas music is just about nostalgia for the traditions, right? And uh, and this one fucking the Christmas just song just focuses on tackles that. that whole thing and just nails it and does it, you know, comprehensively to the point where there are really no challengers. You know, that's interesting, and it points out a flaw in my research methodology for this. How so? Um. I thought about that song once when I was walking the dog past what I think is a chestnut tree in our neighborhood and kicking aside the pods, <laughs> um, thinking I should add that song to my list. Uh, so what I, I mentioned earlier, I had a lot of fun researching this because basically it gave me the excuse to play Christmas carols on my car radio. Um, there's like two or three stations in town here and I was up in Seattle for the weekend and they've got a station up there that just exclusively plays Christmas carols this time of year. And every time something came on that I really loved, I would turn on my Spotify on my cell phone and capture it, send a link to Zach. I made this nice little list. Um, but it's really just a subset of what these radio stations were choosing to play. Right. And I'm pretty sure that if the Christmas song had come on, I would have captured it. <laughs> Rather, rather haphazard sort of. Uh, yes, exactly. You know. um, not a systematic <laughs> listing of songs, listening to them and then ranking them by some like five part matrix. No, <laughs> and I certainly didn't. Excuse you know, me. I didn't do any of that. Like this is purely my personal, um, you know, top three, so to speak, because. Your you brain know. is like that, though. You keep these all categorized <laughs> in your brain to begin with. Well, I like Nat King Cole. I just yeah. think that he's super, super yeah. great. And uh, I like that era of sort of popular um, swing light jazz. Okay, so now I want to listen to it. <laughs> we can. They know that Santa's on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy To see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase Kids from one to ninety-two. Although it's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you. It kind of violates the one thing we were talking about earlier, though. It's very um, somber and slow. It's slow, but I wouldn't call it somber. No, it's nostalgic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it it does that thing. It's doing that thing. But, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, it does it like a champ. Exquisitely. It does it, it, you know. um, so, yeah. 
Nice pick, Zach. <laughs> Good job. So what else fell into your, what, what plays second fiddle to Nat King Cole on your classics? So it's sort of kind of like a, an open and sort of debate as to how sexy Christmas should be. Oh, dear. And I don't know how you fall on that category. I know there's been some interesting conversations in my house recently around um, that baby. It's cold out there. So. Interesting. Hold on to that thought. <laughs> um, because the one I was talking about is Santa Baby. Santa Baby. Yes. I have a good friend who absolutely Kit, of loves that song. And it came on the radio like two or three times while we were carpooling last weekend. So fun. So hilarious. He'd just start singing it right at the top of his lungs. <laughs> it's adorable. You can cut that part out. It was super funny, though. <laughs> super cute. Yeah, I love that song. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of Eartha Kitt. I've played her before on the podcast. I think that, um, you know, she her songs often had this thing that it, they did, which was kind of playing the line between sexiness and sort of like almost faux innocence. You know what I mean? Sort of like a... Every line in that song can be read two ways. Right. It can be read either as a direct invitation uh. or a <laughs> playful Christmas wish. <laughs> okay. It's a um, masterpiece of nuance. <laughs> and I don't know that it's that nuanced. But... <laughs> okay. Innuendo. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Um, you know, and so depending on how one views about how how appropriate that is, I suppose, the straddling that line of coquettishness and, um, you know, within the context of Christmas, I think that... Uh, Christmas has to be a PG-rated Right, holiday. exactly. How do you feel about that, like, as a father who also appreciates humor and adult themes? Oh, well, I'll just say it because it's not one of my picks for modern, but I for sure will play... Um, Quad City DJs, what you gonna get her for Christmas, which is a Miami-based Christmas song in my Christmas mix and openly in the household. I do not give a shit. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not into censoring culture, and I think it sets a bad example. <laughs> Even when it exposes your children to adult themes. But I mean, my kids are fucking wimps. Basically, you know, <laughs> they can barely fucking handle anything that is in any way challenging. But, you know, when it comes to music, they, like most people, don't really listen to the lyrics anyway. No, they're into so, the song. Yeah. So, I, you know, it just sounds like I'm playing Miami bass in general. <laughs> well, then I think you should definitely add Santa Baby to the playlist. Oh, well. it's, on, it's in there. Yeah, man. I play that shit all the time. It's, uh... Santa Baby. <laughs> well, don't try to ruin it. <laughs> See ya. Okay. I'm not even there. <laughs> no more singing for Gina. <laughs> All right, what do you got? Okay, so for classic, what do I got? I got snow. Right. <laughs> As I mentioned earlier, Christmas is all about snow. So let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Runs through my head as I drive down the freeway in the snowstorm. Let it snow, let it snow. Yeah, that's a weird song. And it kind of like... Uh... It hits some of the nostalgia bells for me. Yeah. I mean, it has... I mean, the story that it tells is a 
way of life that most people just don't experience anymore. True. And uh, it kind of speaks to a much more like an America that was much more rural and, um, you know, based in smaller communities. Um, and I can't help but think of that when I hear that song. It seems like... Um, a lot of my childhood favorite Christmas things are very wrapped up in that imagery that you were talking about earlier of the New England Christmas from that same kind of time period, right? When people went out on ice skates on frozen rivers. And like, I think of it in terms of the setting for Little Women or Little House on the Prairie. Okay. <laughs> 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 probably two very different time periods, actually, now that I think about it. But um, it's part of, I think, my imagine nostalgia i don't know i just I, when i was going through these i was like realizing that there was a lot of imagery of winter in new england before the advent of the automobile right a different quieter time maybe where you could just let it snow and stay home by the fire <laughs> we do that just fine <laughs> come to portland that's, that's like, true all we fucking do <laughs> drops two inches and we'll fucking damn sure fucking batten down the hatches and just let that shit go Oh, man. You know, abandon the Prius on the side of the road. and So many abandoned cars. Yeah. So the other one in my category here is Winter Wonderland. Um, walking in a Winter Wonderland with uh, the preacher and the snowman. It's, uh, it's a family favorite because my mom and dad got married two days before Christmas. And they tell the story of how the year before they had gone ice skating or walking in the snow or something and first talked about getting married and so it was kind of like their proposal song when it came on the radio it would always tell the story <laughs> um so it had lots of warm fuzzies in our family so every time i hear that on the radio i the, like romantic in me wants to go like running out in the snow with my boyfriend and have a snowball fight and make a snowman and it's very cheesy and romanticized nostalgic <laughs> <laughs> It's all the feels. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the music. It totally just has to do with the story. All right. I mean, <laughs> I find that song kind of grating. I mean, it's, it's exactly the sort of stuff that I was talking about before. Mm -hmm. Even more so. Yeah. Way yeah. more so than Let It Snow. Yep. Um, you know, with the whole Parson Brown and all that nonsense. Yep. Um, I, I, I do find that song kind of annoying, but it, it also has a certain charm. I'll, I'll give it to you. It's all right. I ain't hating that bunch, but it's certainly it's certainly not one of my favorites, especially no. from this category. Jesus, man! Um, All right, well, so give us some <laughs> give us some alternatives. Well, first, can we talk about "Baby It's Cold Outside"? Because, Baby, it's cold outside. So, like, I assume what you're talking about is like a conversation about how rapey it is. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it's super rapey, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's also super sexy though too. Uh, can I like it? Can I like that song? Yeah, you can. Okay, because I kind of like that song. <laughs> um, I kind of do too. <laughs> um, you know, and I guess I could if I really wanted to get into the weeds about it. You know, defended against the rapey angle by pointing out that it is a song that was like a song that a okay. So this husband and wife used to do it together at parties really and that was their thing and then you know he was a songwriter for the studios or the labels or for something i forget and one day just kind of sold the song and she got super pissed at him because that was their thing that they did oh and so um 
it's kind of like that whole sort of like i don't always like backstories about songs but i kind of like that one and uh it kind of super reinforces the rapey bit though well because he just did it without consulting her uh maybe, maybe. but i mean the fact that it was you know two people who were together who would regularly perform the song together you know what i mean like obviously there was it's super rapey <laughs> But it obviously wasn't super rapey then. There's like this whole element of like a fig leaf to the idea of trying to maintain, you know, your chastity or your respectability or whatever like that. And, uh, you know, I think what it wants to represent is a playful sort of cat and mouse game. Right. Around the topic of shall we and not a full court press so to speak from one to an unwilling partner uh, unwilling victim you know what i mean um but you could read it that way i think that's the way it's meant to be read but it, through the modern mind especially a couple of lyrics like one of them is i mean literally one of them is the answer is no right and like very appropriately and very correctly we now Culturally, I think, can all agree that that's the end of the fucking song. I mean, with the exception of certain kink communities where, like, no means yes, and there's a different word that means no. Okay, I, I don't think this is a kink anthem. But... <laughs> you could read it that way. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of dig it. Um, but uh, it was... It would literally be three selections from that same sort of like pocket of this particular era. So I went with uh, uh, Run Rudolph Run, which is. Uh, I don't think I recall that. All right. Hold I on. think I may need an audio prompt here. That definitely fits the uh, makes me want to get up and dance criteria. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of partly why I picked this is because it's just a pretty good Chuck Berry song. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just like, that's good enough. Honestly, <laughs> dying you, right? It's like, if all I had was a pretty good Chuck Berry song, that would be enough. Um, and there's so much other great stuff from this uh, section of time. But I only gave myself three. Oh, really? I know. 
I know. But, you know, next year. Next year. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up that category. That uh, moves us on to what Zach wants to call modern. Yeah, like anything from like, uh, what did I say, 1980 to present? Mm, Something-ish like that. Yeah. So what do you got? I got two entries in this category. Um, John Mellencamp's I Saw Santa, or Mama, no wait, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. All right, we'll get the order right here. Okay, so how dare you? How dare I what? (laughs) And, you know, I'll allow it, but technically, I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus goes in the classic section. I think it was released in the, like, 60s, maybe in the late 50s. But this is specifically the John Mellencamp. (laughs) I knew you'd have that objection. But I really like this particular version, too. (laughs) It was the one that came on the radio, and I just really liked it, so I shazammed it. Um... Mostly, again, for story reasons, though. So, yes, okay, if I'm going to talk story, I should have put <laughs> it in the other category. the songwriting, yeah. Okay, well, what's this with labels and categories, anyway? You know how much I love labels. So that it's, so there's something represented from each of the categories, so that, uh, you know, we didn't come with a list that, that had zero traditional songs <laughs> in it. We forced ourselves <laughs> to pick something out of the dreaded <laughs> category that is filled with hymnals. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, so the other one is a new favorite that I was recently just introduced to. Um, Jimmy Buffett's Christmas in the Caribbean. Okay, so how dare you? What? <laughs> I don't understand you your objections. You are some kind of monster. Why? <laughs> it's a Christmas song. It is possible that my animosity towards Jimmy Buffett is are you recusing how yourself? Dare you? I'm probably gonna have to because <laughs> I, I have a well-known had... Buffett bias. <sighs> well, it's my list, and you don't believe in censorship, so I'm sticking to it. No, and I. But I, I do. I am curious as to the. Uh, I think you should share with our listeners the uh, meaning behind the "How dare you?" What do you mean? I mean, why not? How fucking dare you? <laughs> because it makes me feel good when I hear it. It's that is gross. I don't know. I did not know the song. I will say I don't know the song. I don't you don't care. know this song at all. You're just objectionably purely on the grounds of it being Jimmy Buffett. Accurate. Absolutely accurate. <laughs> the validity of this objection speaks. Invalidity of this objection speaks for itself. No further comment. <laughs> well, Listen then, to the song. Um, and know that I enjoyed it. I also think that I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is horrible. <laughs> I think that it's a, uh, you know, again, I think it's a novelty song. It's it's not it's not uh, something that counts as a as a legitimate attempt to do good songwriting. It's you know it's fun just a cutesy kid singing thing yeah um That's and obviously i realized that the the coog, bells the coog is not a little kid singing on this particular song but uh uh have you ever heard santa claus is a black man i have that is a good one okay so i like that because it's like it's the same song it's i saw mommy kissing santa claus and it's just as saccharine and gross to have a child singing as it is in every instance of that um 
but uh, <laughs> um, it's all wrapped up in sort of this like uh, supra text of uh, black power and black pride and uh, you know straight from the 70s and it's all about how when she saw Santa Claus and- at, at her house he had this giant afro and <laughs> looked super dope and uh, I think that's great I think that's pretty cute it didn't make my list even though it's one that I will post every year um, just because it might offend somebody that deserves to be offended <laughs> I remember the first time I heard it, I was shocked. <laughs> and then I listened to it again. I was like, that's actually pretty ironically funny. And so I, I, I just appreciate it for humor value. I like it. Um, so to show you how like choosing a modern Christmas song goes and isn't a disaster. <laughs> I'm picking a modern classic. Like something that has already become a standard part of the canon. It's young age, and that is Last Christmas. Last Christmas. I have been... I'm really glad you brought that song up. Um, I was kind of... It's been getting a lot of play on the radio. Always does. It's a modern classic. Who did it originally? I don't remember if it's credited to Wham or George Michael. I think Wham. Mm. Yeah, it's been around since my childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um... It fits me this year. Fits <laughs> well, me really fits well this everybody year. Everybody at some point. It fits that's everybody, the and that's what I was thinking about. I was like, no, this ain't just me. This is like anybody who's ever loved and lost and moved on and had Christmas, and yeah, right. It's like a thing, that's and great. it's beautiful. And yeah. you can like go online and find literally dozens of covers of it by you know people all up and down the notoriety spectrum. It's just one of those, you know, it's a rare example of a modern song that has really kind of broken through and become, um, you know, really kind of omnipresent and is still good and is kind of subversive a little bit, too. And it's uh, it's kind of fun that that's part of our our Christmas lexicon. The um, the only other two I can think of that really manage that are. Uh, all I want for Christmas is you by Mariah Carey, which is horrible. Ugh. And uh, <laughs> uh, what is it? Merry Christmas, please come home. I can't remember the exact title. It's kind of funny that way, but uh, but both of those are just not great. And uh, a lot of the modern stuff isn't very great. Oh, like rock musicians and R and B artists who try to write Christmas carols. Very few of them succeed. I think you've just named off the ones that have. Uh, well, it's because there's so much. I mean, like, every year there's a chance for somebody to strike pay dirt, mm-hmm. you know, with that successful um, Christmas single. And, uh, you know, lots of people want to buy that lottery ticket. So what is your top all-time of all of these picks? Which which is your... Usually when I... I've considered this question. <laughs> Usually when I'm asked what my favorite holiday song is, I just default to the straight-ahead, most non-ironic answer possible, which is the Christmas song. Mm. And in all its nostalgia and all its cheesiness, it still manages to come off as cool and... Nothing beats it, and nobody can argue it 
just belongs in the pantheon it's just one of those top tier songs that is just one of the valid choices <laughs> <laughs> this objective scientifically accurate and provable and repeatable statement given to you by accurate dr zach phd christmas music studies <laughs> still working on my thesis <laughs> abt <laughs> <laughs> Right on. Um, and uh, not gonna argue. It's not the thing that makes me the happiest when I hear it. Like I think it's really interesting. Like you and I have very different criteria for picking our songs. Like mine's very like, how does it make me feel? Yours is like, how does it fit in the pantheon of musical comparative? Well, it's artistry. granted that it makes me feel good. It's Nat King Cole. <laughs> it's automatically going to feel just fine. I mean, that just is like, like Jimmy Buffett is automatically not. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So wrong. And Just give it a listen. It's funny. Yeah. Well, see, I don't like funny. That see, this disappoints me. I'm not me. into that. I'm, I'm so into, into the funny Christmas. Gross. Mr. Grinch. That's my other. That's like my other parodies. Like I created a whole separate category for parodies. Okay, so that is not a parody. That is just straight up an amazing song <laughs> okay yay we agree on something that's funny <laughs> yeah that's a great song um it's more of a song it's like a it's a musical number right it's well a, and it comes from one of the musical yeah, a, productions right. that just was it disney or no. no no but it came from the the how the grinch stole christmas tv special and uh it is you it's know, wonderful it is just Mister. Again, and I will say that it is objectively a great song. You know, you can not like it. You you know, it can grate on you in some way for whatever reason you may have. But um, it is just a very well done song. And I think it uh, can be ported out of its context effortlessly and still be great. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Yeah, it's great. Give me the shivers there, Zach. <laughs> you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus, as slimy as an eel, Mr. Grin. You're a bad banana with a greasy black mm -hmm. peel. So, uh... <laughs> I love it when Zach sings. The, uh... I think we just end it there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I got one more choice that needs to be Oh, heard, we haven't finished the but, list. But I will save it for the outro, and we uh... can just end it there. You did wrap it up quite nicely with which one would I pick overall. And I really do think that, you know, for ticking all the fucking boxes and being smooth as fuck, it's still got to be the Christmas song. I'll give you that. Yeah. I couldn't pick one. That was my whole, like, I need multiple choices in different categories. <laughs> no way. I can't figure out a way to decide what my favorite of all time is. All right. Well, thanks for going through it with me. Dude, that was fun. <laughs> Happy singing. Merry yeah. Christmas. Back at you. Happy holidays. Yeah, I know. Christmas. I'm a Christmas girl. <laughs> Frosty and Santa all the way. <laughs> Later. on the Christmas tree Thank God you are here with me All I ever get for Christmas 
episode um what did you think this has been cloud kaleidoscope episode 15 quote unquote sacred i'm glad to have had you guys aboard this podcast is recorded in the winter wonderland of portland oregon and can be heard on soundcloud itunes and stitcher so if you want to let me know what your favorite holiday music is or any other topic you can reach out to the podcast at cloud kaleidoscope podcast at gmail.com or hit me up on facebook twitter or instagram by searching on cloud kaleidoscope so to go out today i am as mentioned in the episode um there's one selection from the modern era that simply must be given its due that because gina arbitrarily declared the end of the episode there was not room to do so So this is where it's happening, and it's happening right now. So we are going out with Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC, released in 1987. My name is Wilton Zachary Cloud. This has been Cloud Kaleidoscope for Gina and myself. Happy holidays, and we will catch up with you next time. Christmas trees decorate the house with lights at night. Snows on the ground, snow white, so bright. In the fireplace is the Yule log. Beneath the mistletoe, as we drink eggnog, the rhymes that you hear are the rhymes of Daryl. Like each and every year, we bust Christmas carols. Christmas carols. Christmas carols.